Live from the heart of Los Angeles, the Atom edition of the Light Changes Show. Look at the bright lights. Look at the bright lights. We'll be With swimming when we I am Mark Leisure, and now our host, the MC, the Master of Change, Filippo Bosaggio. I am so excited about tonight's show. A couple weeks ago, maybe it was three or four, I had a, a client session at the client, and just before we had wait for Thanksgiving dinner. And I thought he was saying it sarcastically. And so I said, uh, are you being serious? Are you excited? And he said, no, I'm being sarcastic. It's going to be horrible. And then proceeded to tell me why it would be horrible and what he was going to do and what his family was going to do. That was bad and negative. And, and then this would, and what would happen? And he was he was literally so stressed. And I thought, you're bringing this up now. You, you don't see this as an issue that maybe we could have worked on. And he said, it's something we do every year. It's just what we do. It just is what it is. And so I said, well, uh, let's consider maybe talking about it next week because it was it was it was before Thanksgiving. But um uh, I said, because it doesn't have to be that way if you don't want it to be that way. And he said, I just can't imagine it differently because of who they are. And so as we're getting close to, well, uh, we've had Hanukkah just passed, but as we're getting close to Christmas and the new year, and and for that matter, every holiday or any birthday, uh, we're showing up. Other people are showing up. And, and the one thing we can do is, is change ourselves and show up as our new selves, potentially, or work with the stressors or and or work with what's hidden inside that sometimes comes up when we're stressed and comes up when we're triggered and comes up during the holidays. So I am so glad that our guest tonight is Sharon Valenti. And you'll see why in a moment, because we're going to be talking about finding the hidden beliefs that drive your life. And a little later on, we have a storyteller, Leah Lamb, on the Life Changes Show, live at home edition right after this. Have you felt inspired to meditate, but you just can't? Do you suffer from anxiety, but fidget toys just make you more fidgety? Want to replace negative self-talk in your head that keeps bringing you down? Introducing the latest self-help solution, Phi Beads. Transformational beaded jewelry inspired by ancient wisdom, science, math, and psychology. All Phi Beads are designed to incorporate the powerful Fibonacci sequence, nature's mathematical formula that has shaped our existence from the beginning of time. The Fibonacci sequence, also known as the golden mean or the golden ratio, is recognized by our conscious and unconscious mind and resonates as order out of chaos like we see in plants, flowers, seashells, ocean waves, the pyramids, and in our own body. Not only beautiful, they feel good to wear. Phi beads can help anchor tranquility, positivity, focus, and structure in your life by doing the Phi meditation. Phi meditation helps you harness the power of I am for intention, affirmation, and manifestation. 
Affirm the life you want. Get your set of Phi Beads at PhiBeads.com. That's Phi, P-H-I, Beads.com. You are listening to The Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome, L.A., on the BBS Radio Network, with your host, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. You can hear tonight's show and all our past shows on our archive page at LifeChangesShow.com, which include luminaries such as comedian Michael Collier, actress Gabriella Wright, performing artist James Hood, and author Ken Honda. Email your comments and questions to info at LifeChangesNetwork.com or AskDorothy at LifeChangesShow.com. You can also comment via Twitter at LifeChangesShow and Facebook at The Life Changes Show. We are back and I am Filippo Voltaggio and on online with our co-host and producer Mark Lejure. Boy, does this world need a blueprint for stress release. <laughs> now, please. <laughs> I can't think of a more relevant topic for tonight's show uh, on so many levels from so many different subject matters. So uh, we might as well just get right on with it. Indeed. Well, our guest is a serial entrepreneur, a coach, a teacher, and founder of Blueprint for Stress Release, LLC. Welcome, Sharon Valenti, to the Life Changes Show. Thank you. It's a delight to be here. Thank you for having me on tonight. Well, I I enjoyed our conversation previously, and I I, I couldn't wait for uh, to share h- how you show up. Um, uh, with with our audience. And so so thank you for that. You made an impression upon me. And I have to say, it wasn't I had to have not been easy to show up like you show up because anybody that shows up like this, I think they know something and they learned it the hard way. Indeed, indeed. And we all have a past. And that's exactly what it is. Our past, we can choose to stay in it or we can choose to move beyond it and create a whole new version of ourselves. It's entirely a matter of choice. Just like hopelessness means that people think they don't have a choice when in fact they do we simply have to have our eyes open and we have to tune into our underlying beliefs that have been a driving force in our life that have been unconscious And those are responsible for attracting the same kind of people, the same kind of situations, the same kind of good fortune or not so good fortune. Usually it's the not so good fortune attracted into our lives. This is also one of the reasons, and I'm not a marriage counselor or a professional therapist, I'm just tuned into people and our patterns in life, why people first and second marriages generally don't work is because of our underlying beliefs that are going on. We get together. I'm going to go around the holiday times now. We feel like we have an obligation to show up a certain way at certain places, family events during the holidays. And Many times we really don't feel like showing up there. We'd rather just go home and kick back. And we don't really stop and think, well, what am I, what's going on inside? Why do I feel I have to show up at mom and dad's or 
the in-laws or any place else rather than just staying at home and enjoying my time with my family or just by myself. And from a very young age, we have been taught to look to, to others outside of ourselves for a approval, appreciation, support, love, like, etc. And of course, it starts with our parents. And we continue to do it dependent on how our childhood was to the point of becoming a people pleaser and not really understanding why. And it's very debilitating when we're like that. Maybe when you were young, your mother or father said they were going to punish you for something. And in your childlike mind, you heard, I'm not lovable. I'm a bad person. And that sticks with you. And it gets further enforced when you get into kindergarten and elementary school. And you might have been acting up and the teacher puts you in the dunce's corner. Or if you're in Catholic school in the old days, you got the ruler on the fingers. And that internally reinforces, I'm a bad person. I'm not good enough for this teacher or for this parent or for whomever. And it carries on and more underlying beliefs get laid on top of the other. And they're all negative and they're all um, serving a purpose, actually. And it's recognizable once we get older. And we get bent out of shape and angry without realizing what's going on. We're we're quick to blame others for what's going on inside of us. And I mentioned to you that I could be hiding behind the door and you walk through and I jump out and say, boo, and you scared me to death. And reality is I didn't. All I said was, boo, you're the one that saw the goblins and ghosts and boogeyman and everybody else. Mm -hmm. We do this all day long. We create these stories in our mind about situations, people, etc. And they're very, very real inside of our heads. And they're not true. They're just stories. If uh, you plan a vacation and you're all excited about it, let's say you're in California and you wanted to take a vacation to Florida and you're pretty excited about seeing the white beaches down in Miami and visiting Fort Lauderdale and other places like that. And you can be excited about that and curious about what the universe has got in store for you down there. Or you can sit at home and start ruminating about the airline crashes that have airplane crashes that have happened. And what if it rains and you get stuck in the hotel and it's optional, but all of this is just taking place in your mind. And it takes the same amount of energy to have good thoughts as it does bad thoughts. Don't you wonder why we choose the bad thoughts over the good thoughts? Mm. Like we want to punish ourselves repeatedly, right? Mm. And to what end? To keep ourselves miserable? We, we look at others and we say, oh, you know, they, they're the ones that have the good life. I don't deserve it. And that I don't deserve it is an unconscious thing. We believe only good fortune can happen to other people and not to us. We don't believe it's within our reach. When in fact, there isn't anything that we cannot do. 
they're just it's that plain and simple we can do anything we put our mind to and half of the time we don't believe that you know we're aware of people walking on hot coals over fire without burning their belief, uh, burning their feet but if you were to say we'll go walk on water nobody would believe that they could isn't it ironic i mean we can walk on hot coals and believe we won't burn our feet and we don't but we can't believe or rather, I should say, we only believe that there's one person that could ever have walked on water. <laughs> no, it's crazy what we do to ourselves. You know, I like to tell the three businesses. There's your business, my business, and the divine's business. And the only time that we can get ourselves in trouble is when we're in someone else's business, even if it's just in our thinking you know, how many times have we shown up somewhere and we're getting ready to meet with someone or we are meeting with someone and we're totally in their business. We think we know what they're going to say. We question why they wore that particular outfit, why they have that kind of table manners or whatever it is and whose business is it what somebody else does. And yet we habitually, habitually do that. My husband is a uh, licensed psychologist, and he often says, we don't go people watching. We go people judging. (laughs) We do, right? We people judge all the time. But when we're in our own business, just you and I, there's no problem, right? We're just having a conversation. Or when you're watching, you're doing something on your computer, you're totally focused. You're in your business. When that tornado hit Kentucky the other day, certainly it's sad that there was so much destruction and lives lost. However, that's the divine's business. I have no control. I have no business being in that business. Me bemoaning the fact of the tragedy is not going to make a difference to it. And yet I'm readily going to cause my own misery and suffering by dwelling on it and repeating things over and over in my mind. I've learned many years ago that how do I know something should have happened? And it's simply because it did. I can't change it. It's already happened. And for me to cry over it and say it shouldn't have happened, it should have been different, da-da-da-da-da, Again, I'm just keeping myself suffering. And we do that unconsciously. We, we do it all the time. Oh, it should have been this way. Oh, it shouldn't have happened. Oh, my gosh, I should have, should have, should have. You know, always shitting on ourselves when it, it always was meant to be that way because that's the way it unfolded. And you just know, okay with it. Sorry, go ahead. Sharon, that coming from you is, is big. Uh, so we, I know we won't get into it, uh, but you had your trials and tribulations with physical and emotional abuse, uh, with sexual abuse, death of a child of your own, etc. And to hear you talk like this, um, it's inspiring. Thank you. It's unbelievable and inspiring. I mean, it's like, how can, how can. It's like, wow, how? So how? I guess the how is 
the blueprint that you have created. Because you you say yourself that you lived half your life telling lies lies about yourself. Yeah. Was that about all of that we were saying before, like this shouldn't have happened or I must be not worthy or something? Yes. Yeah. I mean, we all we all suffer until we don't with the not enoughness syndrome. And it's that I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable enough. I'm not likable enough, tall enough, short enough, smart enough. And and I talk about what I call one liners that we hear when we're kids and the impact they have on us. And I heard repeatedly from my mother that children should be seen and not heard. And many of us did. And uh, boys shouldn't cry, suck it up. And you made your bed and lie in it and other statements like that. And let me ask you this. this did you ever hear you made your bed and lie in it? I, I've heard all of those and so many more. <laughs> me too. But that's <laughs> Take that particular one. Hearing that, you, you made your bed, go lie in it. What, in, in hearing that as a young person, what was reflected back to you about you when you heard that statement? You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm listening to you right now. And, and without even going back, I can see the implications of a statement like that. Like, you're not good enough for us to help you. Uh, you deserve this. I, the list can go on, right, Sharon? Right. You're on your own. Hey, you made your bed. You're on your own. There'll be no one to support you, no one to help you. Children should be seen and not heard. I'm unimportant. I need to be invisible. That sinks in. And when you look back on your life, first of all, when you identify those one-liners and you sit with them for a little bit and you find out what you believed in that moment, you'll be able to see how that showed up throughout your life. You'll see patterns of, I showed up invisible for years, literally. I'd be with friends and they'd talk all around me and I'd say that, funny statement, what am I, chopped liver? And they'd be, oh, ha, ha. And then they'd drag me into the conversation. I'd be sitting at the same table. And I was. it wasn't until I learned to look for those underlying beliefs and question whether they were true. It was an energetic something I was giving off. It was energy I was giving off in, that I'm invisible. And I was told never air my ignorance in public. And I didn't even really understand it, but it was so drilled into me. And I recognized much later, I would be with a group of people and I kept silent for unconsciously fearful. I might say something and people would think I'm stupid. The truth is, it doesn't matter what somebody else thinks of me because I have no control over anyone's perception of me any more than they have control over how I perceive them. And when we understand things like that, we learn people-pleasing behaviors typically when we're young, and one parent might be a domineering, brutal kind of parent. So we learn behavior. We teach ourselves how to appease this person. It's a form of manipulation so that we don't get punished by them. And that people-pleasing behavior sticks. And then Later in life, when you begin to 
become more awake and more conscious of things, you have that aha. Oh, I have no control over how they perceive me. So I don't need to do a Cirque du Soleil act every time I meet someone because <laughs> I can't impress them, right? But these are so buried in us that most of the time we don't understand they exist and that that's the driving force in our lives. And it's very sad. We continue to suffer. For some people, it's like, I think it's Eckhart Tolle that talks about it. When people in later life start to become ill, different ailments, they actually will become their illness for the simple unconscious uh, reaction that it's the only time in their life people pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. You know, sit down, let me get it for you. And that's so sad that their whole life, they, they never felt that love. And, you know, my husband, I'm sure loves me, but it's not his job to love me. And it's not his love for me to take. It's his to give just like, he, he wouldn't even begin to know what supporting me, uh, meeting my needs are. I'm the only one who knows that. And I saw you put up a video that I spoke about expectations. Yeah. We put these enormous burdens on our loved ones and other people to make us feel a certain way. And we set ourselves up for disappointment and we set them up definitely for failure then we have the audacity to get angry at them and the anger alone is tied into a form of control and underneath that control frank if you don't love me the way i want you to love me now i'm angry at you but under that anger there's a belief i don't believe he loves me enough to love me it might sound crazy, but there's always an underlying belief of the not enoughness in anger. We're always trying to control someone with that. And it's not fair to them. But more than that, it's not fair to ourselves. I'm the only one that knows what it looks like to love me, to take care of me, to show up for myself and support myself and what it is that I want to do. If somebody else offers that that's great that's kind of like icing on the cake if i rely on them for that i am going to be longing for the rest of my life we all are you know we all i'm using myself as an example but we all do these things unconsciously it's so much easier to point the finger at someone else rather than take responsibility for ourselves And once we do take responsibility, it becomes funny, especially if you have friends that are doing the same responsible things, because you can't blame anybody anymore. You're like, darn it, I have to take responsibility for what I did, what I think, et cetera, et cetera. And it's fun when you can start laughing at yourself and the things that go on. More than that, though, few and far of the negative things are happening because you are evolving and you understand you are the cause of your own suffering of every hostile, angry, sad, depressed, anxious thought you have. 
it's not from anything outside of yourself. It's from the thoughts you're thinking and the underlying beliefs that are triggering those and then the emotional, the physical feeling that happens as a result of it. And when you get triggered, if you can stop briefly and ask, what was I just believing about myself? And see if you can find it and then ask, is that true? You know, I walk in, hey, honey, do you like this outfit? And he's in the middle of watching an intense ball game or movie. And he goes, he glances, yeah, honey, it's nice. And I get angry. Or I say to myself, I get angry because he didn't fawn all over me in my outfit. <laughs> you know, how dare I interrupt this ball game? You know, stop. I'm more important kind of thing. Or I can say to myself, I knew I should have bought that other dress, you know. <laughs> We do it all the time, right? Or we just don't take in. We've been so taught to put others before ourselves. Let them help themselves to the food first. Open the door for that person. Let them sleep in your bed tonight when the company comes over and you get the air mattress. We are literally conditioned to put ourselves last. And for many, it's uncomfortable to begin to take care of yourself. There's, a, you, there's that feeling of I'm doing something wrong, that guilty feeling. And yet we all know if we don't take care of us, who's going to? Nobody. Sharon, it's, uh, we're coming up on a commercial, but it's interesting that I, I was thinking how the the bad news is, is a lot of those hidden beliefs come up during the holidays or special occasions or or when somebody buys a dress or an outfit and says, you know, what do you think of this outfit? Um, but that's the good news, too. It's the bad news, but it's the good news, too, because we can look at them if we're conscious yes. about about what to look for. Right. So when we come back, whether it's tonight, tomorrow, any holiday or something, New Year, our birthday, uh, we need we need to be looking at this if we want to change our life, if the way our life is being driven, as uh, the title says, finding the hidden beliefs that drive your life. If your lives are being driven uh, driven a certain way and you're looking to drive them differently, then this is the conversation we're having. And so when we come back, Sharon, if you can give us a couple tips, and I do want to let everybody know that. Uh, Sharon does work with one-on-ones and 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 groups and online, etc. So find out more at blueprintforstressrelease.com. And that question that she asked during the interview, is it true? dot com. We'll be back with more with Sharon. We'll have our Ask Dorothy segment as well coming up real soon. And our uh, spoken word guest is. Leah Lamb. She is a storyteller. You don't want to miss this. All on the Life Changes Show at Home Edition right after this. The Little Dog That Could is the fantastically true story of a man and the little dog that came into his life as his mentor to help him understand the world beyond his human senses and to experience life, love, and healing beyond his human understanding. Best-selling author Filippo Voltaggio who currently hosts the highly regarded Life Changes show, is an internationally known singer, speaker, and life coach. Filippo offers up 
his own story, how one little surprise package in fur and four legs transformed his life unexpectedly forever and furthered his path of self-discovery. In The Little Dog That Could, Filippo brings to life the meaning of the adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Through the reading of this book, you will experience the journey of real miracles that transcend time, space, and logic while gaining practical tools that will help you navigate your way. The Little Dog That Could is available through Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. For more information, visit thelittledogthatcould.com. That's thelittledogthatcould.com. You are listening to the Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome LA, with your host, Filippo Voltaggio. You can visit us online at lifechangesshow.com, via Twitter Life Changes Show and Facebook at the Life Changes Show. And we're back. I am Filippo, and our guest is a serial entrepreneur. She is a coach and a teacher, and she is talking about Blueprint for Stress Release uh, since she is the founder of it. And when we talk about, uh, well, actually, when I spoke to you about the holidays and of what people think, and I'm thinking that they're going to see their families or they're going to be with their friends and they don't like these people or that people and those people or they don't like how they're treated or how they feel. Well, you said something that I hadn't even thought about. And you said, and they're the, then they're the ones that say, Nobody loves me. I'm going to be all alone for for the holidays. And that's a whole other thing. So it's probably endless, right? It is. And for those that are falling a bit into the pity party for one, I invite you to truly understand you are the only one you ever have. So you're never truly alone. And the only thing that is causing the distress in a moment like that is the story you're creating in your mind around it. What's wrong with cooking yourself a great dinner and setting the table beautifully for yourself? Why do you believe you have to be with others on a holiday? And for those of you that are going to visit family that you don't want to, why are you doing that? Give an honest no. You can maybe say to them, you know, this year we're going to spend our Christmas holiday or whatever the the occasion is, just our little tight-knit family by ourselves. We'll be happy to visit you the day later or a week later. What it's it comes down to what are we believing or what would we have to be believing about the other person and ourself if we did say it's a no for me this year oftentimes we have an under a belief that oh they won't like me anymore we actually don't know if they like you to begin with really but you know, oh, oh, oh. they might not like me they might not love me anymore they might not speak to me well wouldn't that be nice since you don't even really want to go there to begin mm. with yeah i mean we torment ourselves with these things but Hey, we are adults now, and we have the right to live a life that feels good to us, not one where we're feeling pressured by other people. We have the right to say no in a very kind and polite way. We're not out to 
deliberately try and hurt someone's feelings. And if that person tries to put a guilt trip on you, let them. You just let them ramble. You don't have to take it personally. Taking it personally, again, is a choice because it means an underlying belief about yourself got triggered. Oh, but you know, come on. Everybody else is going to be here for dinner. You've got to show up. Oh, we'll be devastated if you don't. Well, is that true? They'll probably have a jolly old time whether you're there or not. But this is people get in the habit of doing the guilt trip things. And we have been programmed to respond to that, to fall into it. And then we're there and we're miserable. Now, that's a deliberate choice on our part to put ourselves in a position to be miserable. Why? You know, because of an underlying belief that we haven't questioned. So if we have an underlying belief and we discover it in there's a... Obviously, there's a blueprint to discovering it, uh, uncovering it, and then uh, we need to replace it with a new belief. Could you walk us through maybe an example uh, in, in short form of what this looks like, this process? So in the online course that I that we offer, one of the very first things you do is write a letter to the person that hurt you the most. And You'll never read this letter. They'll never see it. You will read it out loud, but not directly to them. And in it, you're, you this is a person that's hurt you. So it's not a friendly letter by any means. You really let loose. And this is this is what you did to me. And you write it all out. And then you say, this is how I felt at the time. So for me, it was my mother and you know, you used me, you beat the daylights out of me, you called me daughter of Satan, you said I should have never been born, blah, blah, blah. How did I feel at the time? I felt rejected, dejected, depressed, sad, empty, fearful, lonely, alone. Those are the underlying beliefs I got when I was a kid. And those are the ones that stuck with me and then some. And then there's a little more to that process. But once you identify, this is how I felt at the time, those are the beliefs that started to take root. And you will be able to see if you go on, how how have these showed up in my life? And you'll be able to see how they've been showing up. And one by one by one, you'll find a situation that caused you to feel depressed or sad or rejected and we blame i blame my mother for that when i was in my 40s and it my husband said when are you going to stop blaming your parents mm-hmm. for your acting and feeling today and it was like ice water i thought yeah you know my mom said it one time i said it a trillion times since that day and we all do and we are the ones that have kept reinforcing and reinforcing. But when you do that letter and you identify those beliefs and you question, is it true I'm a bad person? Is it true that my mother made me feel depressed? Is it true my mother rejected me? Well, the answer is no. I'm the one who's been rejecting myself all these years when I believing those thoughts i've i've been rejecting me over and over and over i've been criticizing myself over and over is it true they did it to me no it's i've done it 
uh-oh, let it go. It just falls away. Once you identify the beliefs, it actually just seems to fall away unless there is an underlying belief beneath that that needs to keep it alive. And if you can find out what, <coughs> excuse me, what need is that fulfilling in me that I keep rejecting myself or believing my mother rejected me? Well, the belief is I get to make her wrong and me right. Mm. That's the need. Isn't that crazy? Mm. So what we what you then do is you interject a a new belief. So what would be the it would be the antithesis of that, right? It, well, it's it's not. Excuse me. It's not so much. You're bringing up a new belief. You're just seeing that that other belief was never, ever true. Mm -hmm. So Mm. it it automatically lets you know you are wanted. You are loved. You realize the, the belief I'm not lovable was never, ever true. And in that moment, you understand I am lovable. It's not that you're replacing it. You're just knowing the truth. Oh, wow. I am lovable. I am likable. I am trustworthy. I am a magnificent human being. I'm not the daughter of Satan. I'm the daughter of whomever, the divine. You just automatically, when you question, is it true I should have smothered at birth. Well, no, of course not, because here I am. Wow, imagine that. <laughs> you know, the truth is, no, I should have smothered at birth. How do I know that? Because I'm here. Mm. And so that was never true, but I believed it for years. And we don't ask ourselves those questions of, is it true? I, I see now why is it true? We don't know why. We don't even know to look for these things because that life is so familiar to us. You can't even imagine Mm. without it or you don't even know to imagine life without it. However, wouldn't, wouldn't it be wonderful to just say, wow, I wonder what's next in life to really reinvent, to look. It'd be like the holidays when birthdays come and you know you're going to get presents you get pretty excited right mm-hmm. oh of all these crappy beliefs that have had me tied down for years wow what presents am i going to get now wow. you know yeah. i mean why why not <laughs> look at it in that beautiful positive way and be excited because you've lived this this depressing life of suffering for so long now You've seen all those beliefs were never true. And wow, I am, as I said, all that magnificentness. So wow, what's the universe going to bring me now? Because I can't have that other stuff anymore. I know it's not true. And it never was. So wonderful. Just begin to attract all this nice stuff. And in the holidays, you can either show up there with this new belief system in place, meaning 
you know they can't control you anymore because you are the adult or you don't have to go because you are the adult and it's okay if you stay at home. It's not worth an argument with someone else in the household. However, you have to take care of you first and foremost, not in a narcissistic way, just in a loving, caring way. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much. This was perfect timing. Thank you. At, at, at just perfect. So isittrue.com, is it true? And blueprintforstressrelease.com uh, is where you can learn more about uh, Sharon's work and working with Sharon. She's all over Facebook and Instagram. She's got several, several links, Sharon Valenti and, uh, is it true underscore official and peaceful thought, my peaceful thoughts on Facebook and is it true official on Facebook? So I, I, I just, I, I like the fact that I, uh, that, uh, everything, you, you know, is, um, is is lining up including you being on our show tonight and i know it's late there and so we're gonna say thank you so much for staying up for us and a good night to you uh, happy holidays and much appreciated and look forward to connecting again sharon uh what a pleasure thank you same to you happy holidays to you as well and your listeners bye now <laughs> thank you bye-bye sharon valenti what a pleasure indeed and with that we have our Ask Dorothy segment. Dear Dorothy, this is Otto from North Dakota. I have listened to the Life Changes show and I enjoy it all and am grateful for what I have learned from listening to the show. I like the way you answer some complex questions in a simple way and I look forward to what suggestions you have for my question. I belong to many groups on social media, and for the most part, I enjoy many of the posts with, with like-minded people. However, lately, most posts focus on all of the terrible things facing humanity at this time. I agree that we need to know what is really going on and yet feel that the more we talk about how horrible things are, we aren't really involved in changing them. How do we become a part of necessary change? Thank you, dear Otto, for this timely question. Like you, I'm also enrolled in many group conversations on social media, and I'm experiencing the same issue. However, my solution is quite simple, as I understand that everything we focus on is creating our tomorrows. So I suggest that you and your friends get together online and meditate and visualize a new and better world. I thank my friends for the information and then ask them to get together via Zoom, Skype, or other ways of connecting and do a positive meditation or visualization focusing on co-creating a new and better world for all. I encourage all of us to visualize the world situation changing for the better. The more anger and fear we focus on, the more negative things we will manifest. I'm imagining a new and better life for all, filled with rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns. And would love for all conscious beings to join me in co-creating it. I also post this suggestion in reply to the information shared with me about world affairs, and I see that many of my social media friends are implementing this suggestion. We are powerful beyond our imaginations, and so let's all join together to use our power to co-create the world we deserve. 
Thank you, Dorothy. And if you have a question for Dorothy, please write her at sdorothy at lightchangesshow.com. Mm-hmm. And we'll be right back with our spoken word guest, Leah Lamb, on the Life Changes Show at Home Edition right after this. There are self-help seminars costing thousands of dollars guaranteeing miraculous transformations. There are compelling speakers and life-changing weekend experiences where you can walk on fire. They all deliver revelations that guarantee you'll come back for the more expensive revelations filled with even greater wonder next month on Fiji. We get addicted to positive, heartfelt, expensive theater. What we really need is a jumpstart, an awakening. Someone who can give us a reminder that everything we need lies within. Through inspiration and practical knowledge, Dorothy Donahue helps people get grounded and motivated, inspired and energized. It's not just words and affirmations and the power of intention. It's a mindset brought about by a tangible, transcendental experience, an audiovisual, physical, spiritual experience that helps us realize we transform ourselves. We get tools to become the conscious co-creators of lives of unlimited potential. Find out more. Go to DorothyDonahue.com. Life Changes Show is a premier radio show presented by the Life Changes Network, which is a company whose team has dedicated their lives not only to positive change, but to helping others observe and embrace, honor, and even celebrate their own changes, thus enabling a more positive, inspired life and helping to create a more positive and inspired world. From everyday people, celebrities, corporate giants, and children, we are here to help and to serve with heart, integrity, and experience We bring our message and positive intent into your lives through the Life Changes Show, lifechangesnetwork.com, and through guest appearances on other inspiring shows and events. If you wish to learn more about Life Changes Life Coaching, a private consultation with one of us, corporate or live event appearances, or if you would like us to appear on your radio or TV shows, please email us at info at lifechangesnetwork.com. We are back, and our spoken word guest today is a storyteller, or the storyteller. I can't wait for her to share more of what that means. Welcome, Leah Lamb, to the Life Changes Show. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> hello, hello. You know, I kept thinking, the uh, stories, uh, th- we tell ourselves stories, we believe other people's stories, and we're going to be talking about story in a very different way, but I couldn't help but make the connection and thought, oh, I want to hear what Leah has to say about that. Oh, I mean, I just love so much of what Sharon was saying, and just that that we, we're weaving our reality with every word that we speak, you know, mm. stories that we tell about, about ourselves and to others and about the world really influences the roles that we play. And I love this piece where she said, you know, to take these really conflicted moments. And one of the things I love to do with those moments as a sacred storyteller, because as a sacred storyteller, I really believe that our stories can be the greatest gifts that we ever give away mm. and live far longer than our lives or our houses or our cars or anything that we could leave behind in terms of something material. But our stories can go for generations and generations. And perhaps these moments that are the most challenging with the greatest conflict could be the greatest gift we have to give to humanity in the future once we understand how to make our way through those journeys. So I always say, like, 
a fun way to to take a stamp a step onto the path of being a sacred storyteller is you take that really I like to call them sucky moments you know the ones that like really <laughs> they just sucked you know it's like your house burned down you got fired you got ditched you know you got abandoned like there's just those those moments where you're like why did I have to experience that and then as a sacred storyteller you get to reframe it and you say well what if that was me being initiated by life wow. and all of a sudden you have this different framework, right? It's not that the world's working against you. It's that you're crossing through these thresholds that will give you opportunities to become stronger, to become more of yourself, to reveal the gifts that you might have not even known that you had access to. And then my favorite game to play is the sumo wrestler move, where you then you take the story and you and you go upside down with it. And you take that person who you who you thought was the bad guy, who you would cast as the villain, and now recast them as your master teacher. Mm. And what do they have to offer you that no one else would dare to offer you on the soul level? So not just this lifetime, but like what did your soul get to experience or walk through or grow or have to release in the experience of coming into contact with them? And in this way, just like what Dorothy was saying, or excuse me, Sharon was saying, it, it gives you this opportunity to put your hands on the reins of your own experience in life. And one of the reasons I love doing this as a sacred storyteller is now I can tell you about that really lousy thing that happened to me. But it's not about that anymore because I'm not that person. I'm someone else living on the other side of that story. And I've become wiser because of it. And I have something to give to someone else because of it. And it places me on the path of becoming an elder and taking care of the generations that are coming behind me. So it really gives you a greater role to play in your life. And it gives you a greater, it's not just the, you know, the perpetual, what can start to feel like a narcissistic self-help movement, but it's like, yeah, let's, let's get better for the collective. Like let's do my work on myself so that I can give it away. Mm. Something greater than myself. Oh, Leah, this is so good. And you you mentioned the word elder and and you know I I have come to learn that there that that's a that there are not a lot of elders in this world. We have a lot of olders. Yeah. But not a lot of elders and and interestingly enough, we don't have a lot of storytellers much less sacred storytellers. Yeah. It's a it's a dying art form. It's it's definitely well. First thing, what you just said, yes. I mean, Stephen Jenkinson, who's someone I've learned a lot about eldership from, says our elders are made by those around us. And so, if we don't have a culture that understands the role of the elder, how can we look to them and ask them for their stories? Mm. And there's so many older people that I work with who say that they don't have any stories to tell. Mm. And breaks my heart because somehow they've fallen into the belief system of what our younger obsessed marketing obsessed world. And I would say some of the greatest storytellers probably have been hijacked by our marketing and advertising worlds, you know, and that, that obsession with youth, you know, creates this great void in our culture and our society where we don't get to have the voices of our elders or even know how to ask for them or to create a space for elders to have a place to act like an elder, you know, which there's a dirge in that. So you've started the school for sacred storytelling before we get into a story. Tell us a little bit about that. 
I did. You know, I, um, I, it came so organically, you know, it, it is, it was, it, it emerged in the most honest of ways where I, you know, was writing a big book. And in the process of that, I learned, I mean, I studied, I studied acting, I studied theater, I studied writing, um, but there's not a lot of study for storytelling. And it was in the deep, deep listening of the story that the mysteries of story began to reveal themselves. And the more I began to understand story and become a practitioner of, of sharing stories in community, the more of this ancient right began to emerge. And the more I studied, I was like, oh my God, our oldest acts of spirituality, you know, were actually, you know, our, 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 oldest act of theater, which was, or an actor, which was what we know of as, uh, there was an actor who was embodying Dionysus, the God. What was it? But it was a, an experience of bringing the gods to earth. It was an act of ritual, an act of communion, communion with the divine. Mm-hmm. And the more I began to understand storytelling, and I, I was like, oh, this is teaching us how to be good humans. We have to learn how to listen to each other. We have to learn how to be sovereign learn how to be giving. There's this generative relationship that happens where we don't have a lot of opportunities to experience that in the same way anymore. So the more and more I got to doing it, I started offering classes online and we started doing these large scale story rituals to really start to heal the big stories of our time. And the next thing I knew, I ended up with a four year program, or excuse me, it took me four years to develop the program. Um, but it goes through all the body and it helps you on one side develop and discover your own personal stories and where they're blocked in, their, in your body and where they're trying to get out. So we go through each chakra of the body to do these discovery sessions. And then we come out to tell the story. We have six different kinds of story modalities that I teach. It's wow. You said uh, started to come out organically. Well, it, you have a lot of things coming out organically, evidently, <laughs> um, uh, including I heard you do this this chant or this singing, and I thought, "Wow, where does that come from?" And, and I asked you if you have Indian heritage, American Indian heritage. Yeah, a lot of people do when they hear that, and. Um, you know, not from this lifetime that I know about, you know, what I would say is people say, well, where'd you learn that? And I really, I, all I can say is, you know, I didn't study it. It, it was not like that. Um, I had a, a great teacher when I was in high school. I studied voice professionally with a woman named Hope Montoni. I don't even know if she's still alive, but what she gave me, you know, she was a real elder. She gave me um, a way to trust my voice she really believed in me and she believed in my voice and she gave me this this just deep trust and faith in my own creative process and as i began to really learn about storytelling and learn about kind of the first process of, is what you call to it you it's an incantation you're calling to the life of the story to come be with you mm. and a lot of men would drum so when i was watching storytellers they would all drum and i was like ah I don't drum and I'm not going to learn how to just to have a story, you know, (laughs) but I, you know, but there is this voice inside me or outside of me said, yeah, but you sing. And so I started to literally just open my voice to this call. And that's what Mm. comes out. Oh, we're going to hear it in just a moment. So uh, I, I, 
already it feels like Leah has been sharing story and it's getting more and more sacred. But if you want to learn more about Leah Lamb, you can go to Leah, L-E-A-H, Lamb, L-A-M-B, just like it sounds, dot com or medicinestories.com. She's also on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook. We have all of her links on our uh, on the page that we created for her on our website for Leah Lamb. So uh, Leah is, uh, so this is going to be, it's already very special and it's going to get a little bit more special and sacred as we're just going to be led by Leah in what a storyteller's, uh, through a storyteller's prayer, uh, she's going to share with us a little bit about the process and then she'll go into story. Okay. So I love the story that I'm about to introduce you to. And um, she's a new one. I just met her last year. I didn't know it's a her until just now. Um, and Joseph Campbell said that we would need to keep listening for the myths that wanted to be born in our time. And in that way, it really gives us myth tellers or to tell the mythic stories of our time. And, you know, a myth is a story that has no, we don't know who wrote it, but a mythic story we can write, we can write those. And it's listening for how the world is playing out in all the dimensions. This story came alive last Valentine's day. I was in Maui. I was swimming with the whales, you know, you know, swimming in the song of their whales. You can't swim with them there, but you can swim in their songs. And, and I was, I had this dream one night and this dream was, was about this story. And it was trying to wake me up. It was like being a very insistent story. It said it wanted to wake, wake me up so I would write it down. And it was story, you know, the dream was so good. You know, those moments where I just didn't want to wake up. I just kept staying in it. And all of a sudden I started hearing this pounding, this like bang, bang, bang. And I finally woke up and it was a whale just outside the, um, like I was right next to the ocean, who was banging her tail on the surface, mm. up. And so um, this this story is called "When We Were Whales," and it came from a place of deep listening. And I'm going to begin with a storyteller's prayer. So if you're listening and you're driving, you obviously can't stop. But I'm going to invite anyone that's listening, if you can, just stop for a moment to come into yourself. And listen for the parts of you that most need to be spoken to right now. Those tender parts, those parts that you might not normally have time to be with and to listen to. And to see if this story can speak to you from that place. So I begin with, may all the words that need to be heard be spoken. May all the words that need to be heard be spoken. And that prayer is for you, for those tender parts in your heart that are pleading and need to be spoken to right now. May this story speak to them. And may all the words that need to be spoken be heard. May all the words that need to be spoken be heard. And that prayer is for the muse, for the ancestors, for the spirit of the whale, for all those beings who are alive and speaking to us through this ancient realm and language of story, myth, and metaphor. May they come to rest on ears and hearts that can hear them. Hi, he, oh, 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 o
They say there are people walking among us who once lived in an ocean of water and swam through an ocean of consciousness as if ocean and body and the universe were all the same thing. And these ocean beings, let us call them whales, were connected. They were connected to the cloud beings whose Tears watered the earth and they were connected to the rooted ones whose hearts healed the earth. And they were connected to the land walkers, to the two-leggeds, to those humans whose songs and chants spoke the earth into being. And once upon a time, those ocean beings and land walkers were kindreds as the most ancient story of the universe was living through them. It is that story that brings us together right now, the story about giving and receiving. And in this ancient story, when the land walkers were hungry, all they had to do was ask, and the whale beings would give them their life. And in that way, When gratitude was offered for the life that was given, a pathway between body and spirit was forged. An exchange was made as the spirit of the whale was invited to live through the body of the landwalkers. And in this way, even death led to more life. This was not written down. There was no signing of a contract. It was just known. Until one day, it wasn't. The agreement was broken. And when this ancient law of the universe of asking, giving, receiving, gratitude was given, was broken, a curse was cast on the land, on the land walkers. And the way that that curse worked, the more they took, the hungrier they got. They say that is when greed was born, but that is another story, and we are in this story. And in this story, some of those whale beings decided they weren't going to join that death march led by killing and greed that was slaughtering and murdering their aunts and uncles and mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers. They were going to make good on that ancient agreement between their ancestors. So they decided to leave this oceanic world so they could walk on earth with the bodies, the descendants of their ancestors. Because they wanted to put an end to that which was interrupting the flow of life. But the old ones warned them, you can't kill the being that is killing and get to the source of what is living through them. And when you get to the source of that anguish, that is when you will start to understand 
what is truly causing the disruption of life. And that is what you must hunt down, the elders said. And they also warned them, it is very dangerous business going from one world to another. There's a very good chance that you could forget who you are and why you went there. And then they also warned them, you can't rush to, sh to show the truth of who and what you really are. You must be patient and wait because this disruption you will face has become very powerful and you will need strength in numbers. You will need others there to protect you. And the younger whales thanked those elder whales for their warnings, but the elders continued. You need to be patient because you see you are not alone on this mission. There will be others. The fairy folk will join you. They have a bone or two to pick with those takers. And the elfin will be there, very cleverly disguised. The plant deities will start speaking through the voices of humans. The merpeople will rise and walk among you. And the dragons will fly again. Look for the signs. For when Earth recognizes that enough of you have made it through, she will shake awake all who have forgotten. Now, of course, there's no guarantee how long it will take or that everyone will arrive or that you will make it out alive. A young one looked back, realizing for the first time what they weren't saying. That there would be no return to their ocean home that it loves so much. But what will, what will we do? Just waiting, walking our flippers on land. And the elders advised. Study the new ways of this land and the old ways, but perhaps most important, the disconnected and broken ways. And sing your love medicine. It will be your song that brings them back to the source. But bring them the dream. Bring them the dream of who they once were and who they will be again. And so they left. Just a few, but enough left what they were and what they knew to make good on that sacred contract between the ancient landwalkers and the ocean dwellers and the spirit of life herself. This is the story of those brave souls who dared to walk on land among us and what they discovered as they tried to remember what they were and what they were not. I time we have it's about another eight more minutes so i don't know if we can we can end right there and leave you in suspense or i can continue oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh uh I, I am in suspense <laughs> well it's always a good thing to be left in suspense <laughs> I'm enjoying it so much. Uh, since we paused for sure, uh, besides saying thank you, Leah Lamb, I'm going to spell that website, L-E-A-H-L-A-M-B.com. 
where she has so much more to offer. MedicineStories.com. And is it on Leah Lamb or Medicine Stories that they'll find the School for Sacred Storytelling? They'll find that on LeahLamb.com. Yeah. And then I offer my soul story work, which is a mystic form of storytelling and one-on-one sessions at, at MedicineStories.com. So, gosh, um, should our producers chime in? <laughs> what should we do here? Because I want to hear it. <laughs> Are are you willing and able, Leah? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mark, Dorothy, what do we say? I would love to uh, let her extend the piece, and that'll uh, that'll live on the archive. Wonderful. Okay, thank you. Then, Leah Lamb, live on the Life Changes Show. Hi, We sang our dreams of, we, we, we were so excited to get up to the top, to the very surface. We, we couldn't wait to just break that curse of what had happened and what had taken over those two leggeds. And so we did exactly as we t- were told to do. We sang to their hearts, to their memories, so that they could remember and put back together what they were. But most of all, we wanted them to remember that they were the ones, they were the ones who were chanting and singing and speaking our world into being and that they are needed. So while we studied them and we gave them our song and our love, we just, we also found right away what they were facing. For fear did come for us and it nearly strangled us as it wrapped itself around our feet and came to strangle out our insides. We realized it was so easy to forget what we were and what we were not. But as we sang, we remembered. We remembered that there was a time when we were whales. And when we were whales, we knew the true strength and true power of what we were. When we were whales, we sang the mother's milk of the universe into being. We built treasure chests of understanding. We made beds of wonder, caressed the sea creatures with our caring. And when we were whales, we dressed in pearls made of dances dedicated to the sun while blowing bubbles that married the ocean to the sky. And as we walked as two-leggeds on earth. Scarcity slipped around us and tried to feed us lies. But we remembered. When we were whales, we understood the marriage of life to death, of water to oil, of the sun to the moon. We loved the darkness of the depths and flying through the sky as we wove through two worlds together, above and below inside and out, light to dark. And so we walked that on land, and still it was so easy to forget what we were made of. But we remembered, we remembered 
when we were whales, we loved and we loved and we loved and we loved. We were the cherry on top kind of love. And so we did as we were instructed and we studied those two leggeds and the worlds that they were living in so that we might get to the source of what was causing this great disruption. And we found a few things. We found a thing they called hate that ripped and tore apart their insides, scraping them up from the inside out, leaving them looking like humans, but not feeling like them. And there is no place in this world for mystery. But the strangest of all, they had this unreliable tongue. It would say what it didn't mean. It would make taste good things that were bad for the body. But it was so unreliable that it could also bring beauty and calm the nervous system and bring hidden things into view. But that unreliable tongue absolutely destroyed our trust. But we found other things that we never could have imagined. For you see, in our world, what holds us is us. Suffering, joy, love. It can't be hoarded or separated when one has it, all have it. But on land, where the laws of separation reside, the landwalkers had developed a special talent that we didn't have. They had empathy. The ability to feel through the heart and see through the eyes of the other. And so you see, we learned from them as we began to understand them. And our world got bigger. And we sang to their hearts and to their memories so that they could remember and put back together all that they were and all that we were not. But while we sang to them and while we studied them, we could not give them our dreams as the elders had instructed because of the unreliable tongue. So we sang our dreams to the two, to, of who the two-leggeds really were into the water, into her rivers and into her lakes and into her rain so that, she, so that they could always remember every time they touched her. And we sang our dreams into the arms of trees so that they would root that knowledge into this land so that every single step the two-leggeds took on this earth could be another moment of remembering. Because you see, when two-leggeds breathe, they are in relationship to spirit. And when they eat, they are in relationship to earth. But when they swim and bathe and drink, they are in relationship to us. And so we told those two leggeds again and again and again, what we know is true. You are loved. You can love. And you will love again. So there you go.
Thank you, Leah Lamb. Wow. I haven't heard something like that ever and in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much for making a place for sacred storytelling and oral storytelling to continue to live among us. Well, we're looking forward to, well, you're welcome. And we're looking forward to more stories and more from the Leah Lamb camp and the school for sacred storytelling. And again, leahlamb.com and medicinestories.com. And again, she's on social media and YouTube, et cetera. So Leah, a pleasure, wonderful to connect. And I also know it's late where you are. And so <laughs> you, you, uh, I, I'm sure the whole block is enjoying this tonight <laughs> and lucky them, but thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good night. <laughs> you too. All the best. And a big thank you again to our guest, Sharon Valenti. And that is our show on behalf of our executive producer, Dorothy Lee Donahue, and our producer and co-host, Mark Legere. I am Filippo Voltaggio, your host, reminding you that as your life changes, like ours surely did tonight, we're here for you. Ciao, everyone. You have been listening to The Life Changes Show on the BBS Radio Network. Listen live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Time and visit us online at lifechangesnetwork.com, on Facebook at The Life Changes Show, and on Twitter at Life Changes Show. Join us again next week as we consciously explore and embrace the only constant, Life Changes. The Life Changes Network is an entertainment network. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Life Changes. <laughs>